Welcome to the Dear Job Seeker podcast, a podcast designed to invoke honest thoughts and real conversations. We dive deep into the intricacies of women's career empowerment, sharing lessons learned along the way. Join us for authentic insights and candid conversations as we navigate the paths of career growth and development together. Dear Job Seekers, imagine this. What if you could learn from someone who not only transitioned from life coaching to a six-figure career, but also made the remarkable shift into the dynamic world of UX UI design? How did they do it? And what lessons can you draw from their journey to craft your own success story? Today, we have a special guest and former client, Debbie, who's here to share her story and odyssey of transitioning from a six-figure career into UX UI design after a background in life coaching. Her story is not just a roadmap, but a testament to the endless possibility that await those that are ready to embrace change. So whether you're contemplating a career shift or seeking a inspiration of your own journey, Stay tuned as we explore the thought-provoking questions and invaluable thoughts that can reshape your career trajectory. Your next chapter might just be one episode away. Hi, Debbie. Hey, Jill. So it's always great to have a client on to talk through our client relationship and some of the wins that you had and your mindset while transitioning to a new role. So your transition was from life coach to UX UI designer. I'll start with asking you, what prompted you to shift from life coach to pursuing a career in UX UI design? It's so funny to me when I get asked this question because the truth is I was tired of dealing with people. And I don't mean that in a rude way. Mental health has been my background. My bachelor's is in psychology and I have always worked with people one-to-one and it had been, let me say, over, well over a decade of doing so. And as they say, when you work in that field, you can get severe burnout and that's what happened with me. And I was like, okay, I, I feel like I have served enough. I have given of myself more than enough. It's time for me to do something else because I was just feeling very exhausted and drained. But when I was life coaching um, and helping people with spiritual healing and things of that nature, I was also doing my own websites and creating all of my own products. And there was a time where everybody's like, oh, you know, if you're black, get in the tech. If you're black, get in the tech. And I'm like, okay, getting into tech means what? <laughs> so maybe the person I am, I'm like, okay, you can be a developer, you can be um, a product manager. What And what part is going to fit with me? So I'm not completely, I guess, starting from scratch. And I'm a creative person. And when I just started comparing and contrasting between the different areas in tech, UX, UI made the most sense to me. I was like, oh my God, I get to be creative. Um, I can easily transfer what I've already done to this area, but I don't really know how, but I know I can do it. And this feels the most comfortable and what would be the most rewarding for me. So that's how I got there. So did you feel like you you kind of touched on my next question. So you envision this transition impacting you in a way that it was going to be more fulfilling in the long run, ultimately? Yes, Absolutely. Being okay, I know that a lot of people preach being a business owner and being your own boss, mm -hmm. but that played a lot into my burnout <laughs> because yes. I've done different things business wise. I have dabbled in real estate, um, I've had a beauty supply store, I've done different things, and to me, I'm just like, I, I want to relax at this mm -hmm. point in my life. I'm 36 years old, I'm a mother of two children, and I not, I don't want to make it sound like this, but. This is the best way I can say it. I just want to chill and grow at a reasonable and calm pace. When I was a life coach, which was being a business owner for myself, I'm constantly doing the most, trying to reach the next goal, pushing myself. And it became a lot for me to do nonstop on top of seeing my clients. And I'm like, this is not sustainable 
for me to do. And to me at this point was most fulfilling is peace mm-hmm. and calm in my life. And I felt the transition into tech would give me that. And it absolutely has. You know, what I love most about this podcast is I talk to so many different professionals and you hear professionals who say, I feel stuck in my nine to five and I really needed freedom. So I looked outside of that for 100% corporate, you know, 100% entrepreneur life. And then you have another subset of people who are like, no, I want to do my nine to five, have a side hustle. And I'm cool with that. And then you have another subset of people like yourself that are like, I've done the entrepreneur thing and I'm good. I, I don't want to do it again. If I could start all over again, I would just want to work a nine to five and be consistent in that. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you highlighted that. And it, it made me just kind of think of previous episodes where everyone is is so different and in a different place in their career. Okay. So Given the distinct nature of life coaching and UX UI design, I want to talk about what it was like when we started to work together to pull out some of those transferable skills. And I know that you came with a lot of transferable skills already in mind. So can you talk about what was your process of identifying your transferable skills that would help you in the transition from life coaching to UX UI design? Um, when I was looking at what area of tech I was going to transition to, I noticed with UXCY, one of the things um, that was constantly mentioned in the job descriptions was having a background in psychology. That's what stuck out to me the most. Outside of the creative piece, it was having a background in psychology or um, an understanding of human interaction and things like that. And I was like, oh, Okay. This understanding people. And the more I dug, it was talking about understanding the pain points of the users so that their experience can be seamless. And then the one of the words that's used in the UX process um, is making sure that things are intuitive. I'm intuitive in a spiritual manner, but they also meant for sure being intuitive as far as you don't need instructions with whatever it is that you desire, users can easily figure out where they're going um, seamlessly. And so all of those components, I'm like, crap, this is perfect. This is just like another aspect of who I am, just mm-hmm. packaged differently. And I remember when I got done, I did the Google, what is it? The Google UX certificate. And I know they there is a lot of mixed commentary on the Google certificates. However, for those who don't want to do like a $15,000 boot camp, <laughs> right. if you know what you're doing, you know that you're a go-getter and that you can hunker down and do what you need to do, you can do the Coursera Google certificate for UX. Um, but neither here nor there. When I, after I completed it, I said, you know what? I'm going to need help packaging this properly because my mind, I could not wrap my mind around it. So after you and I met, um, and we talked it through together because I, I remember us booking different sessions, like our initial consultation and then our talk through, like we kind of went in different phases and different steps. And you were very helpful with that because I knew, okay, I know where I want to go, but I need someone to help get me there. <laughs> like, I don't right. know how to get there. And honestly, like I was mentioning about the burnout, I didn't want to get myself there either. Like, like I can I can follow the lead, but I need someone to really take off this burden, this load of doing this pivot. And you were very helpful with that. So it's like I had, I guess, the pieces and you put the right. puzzle together. For right. And I want to add to what you said about the certification. So I know, right, there's a lot of mixed reviews. So I will say this. When I talk to a lot of professionals, I think that there is a misunderstanding on how to use these certifications that Coursera offers. Yep. Yep. There are some certifications where you can go in and you can say, okay, I've become certified. UX UI design was a certification that was something that a lot of companies were saying, we'll take a certification in lieu of you having a degree in X, Y, and Z, but To your point, we also looked at transferable skills that were able to talk to some of the areas or some of the gaps, the perceived gaps that you had in transitioning over into the field from life coaching. So 
I'll say that life UX UI design was was a, a certification that I feel like was very valuable. However, when I see a lot of or when I'm talking to a lot of professionals and they'll say, well, I have my PMP certification through Coursera. Well, that is you have to also look at Coursera and understand what type of certification are you getting? And then understanding number two, if there's a national certification that you may have to follow up once you've gotten your base knowledge in Coursera, you know, or Google certifications. And so you that, you know, you were very thorough in your research. And I think that when you came to me, you already had or were finishing up your certification. And so it was very easy to go through and have our first session to number one, understand what you did in life coaching. That was it was that was paramount, right? I had to understand how did you see your transition, you know, making sense? And then going in and looking at some of the hard skills that you had that were that would have allowed us to create your resume, which is ultimately what we did. Um, and and so that that kind of takes me into the the next point. And so and I think you touched on it earlier when you talked about the psychology of life coaching. But can you talk about some of the other strengths that you feel like you gained from life coaching that helped you be successful in UX UI design? I think being able to properly and accurately ex, uh, assess when there is a problem or issue mm-hmm. is extremely helpful to what I do now. Because when I am designing uh, the different pages uh, for the product and my current job, I'm looking at it because I'm not originally a part of the industry that I work in. I'm able to give a fresh perspective when I'm talking to my product manager. I'm, I'm going to say, hey, this doesn't really make sense. You know, when, when I go onto this page, this is not the steps you guys are telling me to do don't make sense. And that feedback is valuable because I'm like an outsider to my industry and I'm responsible for the design work of this product. But at the same time, I'm able to look at it from how th- does this make sense? Why would we put this here? Why would we put this button here instead of here? Or, you know, why would our typography not be in the appropriate hierarchy to where people know what's important and what is not important? Or what's a small note, something they can, you know, just check with and continue on whatever their process is with filling out this form. And just being able to assess pain points accurately, which comes from taking my time and really thoroughly reviewing things. Mm-hmm. I, I believe I use that skill set the most. Also being um, balanced and diplomatic when dealing with um, coworkers um, as well, being able to see both sides or objectively view things because you're going to have trade-offs. I may think that something is absolutely hideous, you know, but right. if it's something that the company really wants, I'm like, hey, let's do it in this way then. Instead, um, and that's okay. I recently, I had to do a trade-off last week um, with my developers and they wanted to do something a certain way that didn't make total sense. I'm like, hey, let's do it like this. That way you're, what you're suggesting we're moving forward with, but just add these little minor tweaks and it'll be fine. We'll, we'll charge this into the game. And it's stuff like that, like understanding how to work with people and still keep the peace, but still um, being firm with where you stand on things simultaneously that's a skill that comes from being a life coach and dealing with people for so long. And let's talk about your scheduling. Cause I know that you moved. So moving from life coach to UX UI design, I know that during, cause I, you and I worked together during the height of the pandemic. When I, when I believe it was a candidate market, candidates were able to call the shot. They were able to bring up topics that they felt like, you know, companies were missing the mark on. And one of the things that was really important to employees was the work from home. Now, as a life coach, you're able to wake up and dictate your day. You mm-hmm. 100% own your day. How was it moving from that entrepreneurial mindset of choosing your day to a more structured nine to five workspace? Um, I would say that it wasn't really much of a difference because my schedule with my clients, I would see clients Monday through Thursday and I would start, I think, at 9 a.m. and I would be done by six. And that was like a hard stop for me because I knew if I kept going, I would be beyond exhausted. Now my schedule is eight to four. And even though I open my computer like at seven something, 
I'm, I don't start doing anything until eight and my computer is typically closed right at four. So having those boundaries as a life coach with myself, because I was dealing with burnout and having to balance it, I make my heart stops. Like it's four o'clock, whatever wasn't done, we'll be done tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like, so it, to me, it wasn't really a huge transition in schedule because I was, I had already trained myself to be disciplined and structured um, with my clients and, because I have days, okay, this day is dedicated for content only. And this is how long I'm going to do it for. So being on the clock somewhere else, it wasn't a huge deal for me. But that was one of my must-haves that I had. It had to be remote because I've been working remote for years in various aspects. And yeah, I just need that flexibility. But the structure wasn't a huge deal. And it's my job is flexible in and of itself um, as well. So I don't feel micromanaged or bogged down one way or the other that's fair and so I know that we talked a little bit about it earlier when it came to crafting your career story and really getting you prepared for the market it's like it's what I like to call market ready and I know that we had several discussions that helped you in that transition can you Tell me about a discussion or a session that we had that you felt like was really impactful or helped you in having like a mindset shift. Um, I think one thing I struggled with was how am I going to explain being a newbie um, to UX, but still prove that I'm a valuable asset um, in this space at the same time. And I know in one of our sessions, you basically were like, lean into that, <laughs> lean into behavioral health being your background, especially since it ties in, but don't harp on it at the same time. Like, let that be your foundation, but point more towards the future of where you're headed. Like, hey, this is where I started and acknowledging that, but this is where we're headed and this is what I have to offer for where I'm going. And framing it that way helped me not feel like, it, it helped me with not feeling like the transition was going to be a daunting task because I've spent over a decade in this space and now I'm trying to go to this one. It's like, hey, yeah, you were here, but this is valuable to where we're going. Right. And that's what I thought was so important and, and, and something that I really talk to my clients about. I think sometimes people are like, I don't have any experience in X field. And I'm like, you can introduce a completely new point to the hiring manager and have a broader conversation. And one thing that I think that companies have really lost their touch on is the the aptitude to want to train employees. A lot of times they're like, we want you to come in already being an expert, especially in a lot of six-figure roles. Mm -hmm. And so I think that what's important is when you bring in that thought leadership, it lets them know, okay, I have someone that is going to be an individual contributor. I'm not going to have to micromanage and they're going to get it the light bulb was going to come on for them without me having to push. And so that's why I definitely encourage people to lean in to, you know, their transferable skills because it helps you have a larger conversation and it also establishes your thought leadership during the interview process. Absolutely. And speaking of the interview process, it makes me think of how I was able to sell myself for the position I have now. Um, because again, I mentioned being intuitive and how that's important to UX, um, UI. And I just felt like you need to create a presentation mm -hmm. for this particular role. And I had been on a ton of interviews. I was actually in the interview for tea, but that's a part of the process. And I had been on a ton of interviews at the time. Right. And I was like, I only had two days to create this presentation. But I was like, okay, whatever I'm going to do, let's create it. And I just went through the job description um, saw what it is they were asking for, what they needed. And then I Googled my company, saw they had a bad review. And then I created a Figma project based on that bad review and how I would address it and the metrics I would use using Figma. And Figma was, Figma is a tool that we use in UX. Figma, Adobe XD, yada, yada. But Figma was specifically outlined in the job description for, um, the candidate to utilize. And I wanted to show them, hey, not only am I able to use this software, but I can come up with something on the fly and work in ambiguity because I remember that was a huge thing. Can you work in ambiguity? And I'm like, I don't know anything about your company, but based on what you say you needed, 
And this is what I'm pulling out of it. This is what I can present to you. And I did it in the brand colors. I paid attention to the website, the buttons that were used and emulated that in the presentation that I gave them. And that's what won them over. They're like, okay, if you can do this, right. <laughs> you don't know anything. That means you can do anything that we put before you. And it's true. I really can. And I'm very grateful that they gave a newbie like me an opportunity um, to grow and to, um, I guess just prove that I can do this. And even though I'm new to this, I can adapt to any situation. I know a lot of people say that in interviews, like, oh, I'm highly adaptable. No, I'm I'm adaptable for real. <laughs> for real. <laughs> right. I'm a no. super doer. Like, right. figure it out. And, and You're joking, <laughs> but I'm serious. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but I, I, I love that. I that was that was a way that I was able to land an interview as well as a project manager. I remember I brought in newspapers and portfolios of projects and things that I had managed while in college. I sh- I showed them. A lot of times, I think that now, especially in the hiring market, going for those six-figure roles, they want to know that you can do it. They want, the hiring manager has one question. How are you going to be able to do the job? And how, how well are you going to be able to do the job? They don't want to go in and micromanage. And can you talk about, do you feel like you were micromanaged as a newbie? Because I do want to talk about the negotiation process because I do remember you and I went back and forth yes. with them. <laughs> yes. So I, I want to get to that. But do you feel as a newbie coming into like the work environment, although it is remote, have you felt like you've been micromanaged? How do you feel like you were supported in that transition? Um, they meant it when they said you got to be okay with working in ambiguity for my role and my position. They meant it with all of their heart. Um, so I've never been Um, is that good? Yes. Is it also kind of bad? Maybe. Um, uh, <laughs> not here to talk to because I don't like to be micromanaged. Let me figure right. it out and coach me later. That's that's me. That's me. Right. And it's like for me, that's up my alley. But at the same, I feel like now because when I was hired. They were figuring it out too, the direction they wanted to go in. But now, over a year later, we finally, within the past few months, like, okay, this is this is where we're going for real. Okay, we're ready. This is where we're going. <laughs> but it's no, there was no my. I'm still not being micromanaged. It's just a little bit more direction, a little bit more hands on. And they've also given me, um, what what do they always say? We we're empowering you to make final decisions. We're empowering you to say oh yes. Oh my gosh. So it's a little bit different, but it's also like me, but you know, but it's like empowering you to take authority. Like, right. (laughs) No, I need direction. (laughs) Right. And now that I'm working um, hand in hand, very closely with developers more than I ever have, normally it'd be a question here and there or some clarity or, hey, I need this icon that um, was a part of the design. I'm not able to get it. Can you say Normally it was light stuff. Now it's actual decision making, which is really cool because it's opening my eyes to aspects of the process once designs are handed off. Is is showing me, oh, okay, this is needed. Oh, okay, this is what we use um for coding altogether. And this is why my designs to look a certain way, because this is what our developers use to code. So I I'm gaining a lot of understanding. And at first I felt very overwhelmed working with the developers um, so closely. But now I'm like, relax, mm-hmm. <laughs> relax. Like they're telling you like, no, they have to listen to you. So relax. Don't, don't I don't know. I felt super overwhelmed at first, honestly. Um, but now I feel like I have even more understanding and I've learned this is the, even though I'm not getting the mentorship, but it's like I'm getting more of the direction that I've been craving as someone new to the industry and it's working itself out now it feels i hope i'm making sense when i say that but yeah i'm definitely it does it makes sense i definitely and i want to go back to i'm gonna we're gonna go back to diving into a day in the life of but before we do that i kind of want to just kind of go back through the steps that we took to get to get here so the first thing that we did was you realized that you needed a shift, right? You were having burnout and you're ready to transition from life coaching to UX UI design. And then the next thing that we did was we focused on identifying some of those transferable skills. You, um, the transferable skills that I say that you definitely came to the table with was having that psychology background. And then the hard 
uh, or the technical skill that I felt like you came to the table with or was working in the process of gaining was the Google UX design certification. Um, and when you're trying to pivot, I think that you need a couple of things. You have to have the soft skills and the hard skills, those technical skills that are going to allow you to create that compelling narrative for your career change. But you also want to have either a degree or a certification. I say certifications roll in lieu of degrees, depending on what your background is in. And so for you, getting into UX UI design was pretty straightforward because you were able to transition over with that certification. Um, and then the one thing that I definitely want to make sure that we, we we touch on is after we crafted your resume, which just to kind of walk the job seekers through on the, the, the podcast, through what we did, we took a look at Debbie's her her current skills. She had a Google certification, and that is what I used as the baseline for her transition. And so, when I wrote her professional summary, it was important that I really focused on the Google certification and the project I believe that you completed as a part of that certification. Um, that was the anchor that we used to really position. Um, Debbie as the expert in the field. And then as her job descriptions below summarize her, or I think further explained her experience, we leaned more into the behavioral health, explaining how those aspects were going to be a, a great um, a great way that she was going to be able to use those assessment skills um, to be a team player. So the one thing that I think was really important, Debbie, is that we talked about the negotiation process and I know that there was a certain number that we wanted to, we wanted to go, we wanted to go for. And I know that the company originally had a number posted. Mm-hmm. You went to interview for the role and you know what? I'm going to pause. I don't even want to tell the story. I'm going to let <laughs> you tell the story. Yes. What happened when we went for the interview? Tell us from the interview you know, the interview and then the negotiation after the interview. How do you feel like the interview went and then the negotiation process following? So the interview went well. Um, I made sure my questions, I actually got some really good questions from TikTok on what to ask in return. Um, when they say, hey, do you have any questions? And I know my questions blew my chief of technology away. I think one of one of the questions that he said literally stumped him, I said, um, if we look a year from now, what would have made hiring me a success? And he was like, what the fuck? You know, he was very like, what? Right. And, you know, those type of things, they're like, she really put thought into this and along with the presentation um, and whatnot. And they were saying, okay, we'll get back to you in a week. I literally heard from them the next day. And I was like, oh my God, this is so great. And then the HR lady was like, this is what they're offering. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. It was like 40K um, below what was listed right and i said and then i was like what's going on why would it not be the salary that was listed and then she was saying he was saying because you're so new but they definitely see that fire and that tenacity in you to which i counter like okay this is absolutely not fair because it literally said starting at and she agreed and in the moment i'm like flustered while i'm on the phone with the hr lady but i'm like no 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 and I countered with 20K above what they told me. I'm like, we can at least meet in the middle. And um, I countered. She called me back like 15 minutes later. And she's like, okay, he accepted. But I was like, what the hell? Like, I was very... Well, I remember getting that email and I was yeah. like, uh, no, ma'am, push back. <laughs> exactly. I was so mad. I'm like, are y'all serious? You love me. You love my interview. You love my presentation, everything. And I get it. I get it. I knew. I'm fresh out, but she knew that when you were interviewing me, when you selected me for the interview, um, it worked out, but I was, I was salty about that. No, I mean, I was, you know, I was salty. (laughs) I I mean, I tell people about that because some people are like, I've never, you know, recruiters will literally say on online and I see other career coaches, you will never, you know, they'll never offer you something and go back and, you know, recant on that offer. And I'm like, they absolutely will. It has happened to several clients. Like, yep. and and you have to stand firm on that negotiation price. Number one, knowing how much that that particular position offers. And then again, I believe in, in salary transparency. I will do informational interviews with people who work and say, hey, you know, if you don't mind sharing, is it, you know, what is around the salary? 
and I, I will ask. And if you, and if it's not, if you're uncomfortable, I say, let me know you're uncomfortable, but yeah, I will definitely ask for salary transparency. Okay. So I think that we, you really gave us a lot on the mindset shift from UX, um, from life coach to UX UI design. But I really want to hear about the day in the life. Like, what is it like to be a UX UI design from like 8 a.m.? What does a typical day look like to the time you close your computer? Um, of course, checking my emails, having daily stand-up meetings, and those meetings are absolute gold and i tell my bosses all the time that i'm so grateful stand-up meeting is absolutely daily stand-ups um i think they're used in some tech spaces just to see if anybody is having like any blockers or hang-ups that need to be addressed and since my boss became my boss because she's been over product honestly should have been my boss but neither are there when she became my boss months ago i think in may this made sense to have our own product daily stand up because she's extremely busy. She's boggling meetings constantly. And this gives our team of four the opportunity to, hey, I'm stuck on this. And then we all talk about it. And then you can move on with what you're working on without having to wait on a meeting with her individually. We just address it in that meeting. And that has just helped us tremendously (laughs) with moving things forward. And not having to wait because every single day we're having those 15 or 30 minute meetings just to knock stuff out really quickly. So and can I ask, like, what would be a challenge, right? What would be a typical challenge or a challenge that you run into as a UX UI designer? What like tell us a challenge that you've had to provide a solution for it? Um, I'll give you two different kinds of challenges. The first challenge is we use a system called Jira. And in that system, that's where we put all of our tickets. Um, And like I have a design section specific to me um, in JIRA. And sometimes when tickets are written, no matter how many times I reread the ticket, it doesn't doesn't sound right. And so that's something I may have to address in the meeting. Like, what did you mean by X, Y, and Z? Because when I'm reading it, it sounds like this. And then it's like, oh, no, 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 no. I just meant this quick change. And it's like, oh, like that happens a lot. Because either somebody's typing too fast or they really meant the message was for the developer, but they were telling me. So it looks like triple instructions when it's not. And that happens often. Um, Another challenge is, let me think of something. I'm sure something happened last week. Challenges can really be a back and forth about how something is displayed. Um, And here recently, the developers wanted something to look a certain way. Um, however, what they were saying they wanted, it didn't coincide with how we're doing everything else. And the goal that we're wanting to do is everything moving forward must be extremely consistent and have continuity. And what they wanted to do was throwing things off because it wasn't reading the same. And so sometimes you just have to stand your ground and say, hey, this doesn't make sense. Or, you know, you have to cover yourself by making sure that things are communicated in the ticket so you're covering like hey i asked this question will this throw us off in this sprint or will we still be on time if you make these light changes just to get things on track and they may try to message you in teams instead of messaging in the ticket and then you know it's like nope please put this in the ticket (laughs) and very clear when don't tell me yes here and then say no in the ticket no say yes in the ticket so stuff like that um, that I think are the only challenges or um, here recently just actually I feel like I'm moving away from doing Gorilla UX because <laughs> I had a UX mentor this summer and she's like yeah, you're kind of doing Gorilla UX which is like you're figuring it out as you go but we're, we're transitioning from there to actually doing things a little bit more textbook now. So Gorilla UX that's a colloquialism for saying like you're just kind of I guess empowering yourself <laughs> yeah like you're you're out in the wild and you see you're figuring it out <laughs> you just okay. make it happen you're getting things done but it may not necessarily be the exact design process that you studied okay and so you have all right so you have a stand-up call in the morning and then tell us about the rest of your day um so my back to the system jira where we have all of our tickets I have all of my assignments or tasks in JIRA and they are prioritized 
um, by most important, what's least important, and what needs to be done right now, what can be what what stays in the backlog until I get to it, things like that. And that's extremely helpful. And I use the cam Kanban board in Jira because visually I can see where I'm at and what needs to be done. And I pick the project that's in my in progress column. Um and I start working on that. And normally, whatever I'm working on, I go into our test site to see how it works now against what I'm currently doing in the redesign for whatever that page or item is. And then um, most times I try to get a task done a day, or it may take me two days, depending on the complexity and what's required of that specific ticket. But I try to get things out um, in a day, sometimes my boss has emergency situations with large clients of ours, and they're like, this has to be done now. So whatever I was working on gets a pause, and then I end up working on whatever it is that she called on, which doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen, where I have to stop what I'm doing and work on the high-priority um, item. And I always know, like, it's marked high-priority, and then she'll also drop me a message like, hey, do this first. Stop what you're doing, do this first. And that happens a lot, and that's okay. Um can you give us an example? I guess I want I want the job seekers to know, like when you say you're in Jira, like I would love like for you to paint the picture of like a typical project. Like, is it that you're working on like websites? Is it that like what would be like an example of like a typical project? Are you able to give like a use case? Yeah, sure. So what I am working, what I was hired for is our specific proprietary software. I work in the mortgage industry. And so the software I use is for loan officers and I think it's maybe lenders, loan officers, lenders, mortgage officers. Yeah, it's all under the same umbrella. And so like when you are looking for a home and you get pre-qualified for the house and you're taken through the process, our loan, we're number two in the country. So loan officers utilize our software to take you through the process of getting all your verification stuff, like whether it be employment income, credit pools, um, stuff like that, bank account verifications, all of those matters that are wrapped up in getting a home, we do a huge chunk of it for loan officers. So loan officers are our clients. Um, So our software is what it is that I am working on. And the reason they hired me is because it looked like Windows 95. So just imagine that, Windows 95, how archaic and how bad that looks in 2023. And they wanted to modernize our software so we can be like the iPhone of the mortgage industry. Because most of the mortgage software, it looks like Windows 95. Even the company that's number one in the country, everybody's stuff looks crappy and bad. And they're like, we need to step up our game. So we want our stuff to look better. We want it to be more seamless. We want it to be more intuitive, appealing to the eye. And we also want it to be, of course, functional, which is the most important. So I am going page by page for this proprietary software to update it, make it look nice, make it functional, and still have all of the characteristics that it held in the old look, making sure that carries over into the new look as well. So... I understand you you work for the you know the mortgage industry. You gave us that background. When you're working with developers, are you the lead? Are you designing? Are you like what like what is that role as a I, I actually just started working with developers. I'm the only in-house designer at my company. So I'm responsible for designing 90% of everything that is seen on um, our software, when from the time a loan officer logs in to everything that they see, all of that work so far has been my. <laughs> um, so, and that's why I've called it Gorilla UX because my journey as a UX designer is a little bit different because in most companies, you have a full design team or something like you have a senior UX designer and then you have the trickle down of those that work under them. It's just me, um, a team of one. And they even say you're a founding UX member here. So it's like working with the developers one-on-one, that's a new thing. And it's more in a leadership role that I'm still adapting to and becoming acclimated with. 
And that's normally, go ahead. Yeah. And so when you say that, how was that transition, right? From life coach to being the only person leading your team. What was that? What was, what was that like? Like, what was your learning curve there? Um, it was unexpected. (laughs) It was unexpected because we started out as a team of two and they, uh, they called it a reduction in force that they did in the spring. And they let go of the guy that was supposedly supposed to be my supervisor. But it's not like there was any real direction there either. Just being completely honest. So it's always been like every man for himself in my role. And I wish I could paint a beautiful picture of, hey, this is how it goes. And it follows this beautiful, neat um, pattern. Really? That, that's not how... That's like how it's give us the raw. We want to give the we want the raw. That's why I'm like, wait, wait, wait. We got to go back. As I, I definitely want to understand, you know, what what is it like? Like when you got in there, I did it by myself. I was thrown in. I had to have it because I think that was so important. What a lot of people miss, and what I want to make sure that we drive home in this in this interview, Debbie, is that getting a six figure role is not pretty, right? It's not someone handing you a roadmap that's going to be like, I want you to do A, then I want you to go to B, then I want you to go to C. But it's a fact of, no, I'm going to give you this and I need you to be intuitive. I need you to take this information and I need you to run with it. And, and that, and that's what I, and that's the, that's what I want to dig into here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really how it's been. I just, (laughs) that, that gorilla UX, that's what, that's what it's meant. And when my UX mentor, when I met with her this summer, that's exactly what was meant because it's literally been, the, the process has been a learning curve from start to now. The entire thing has been a learning curve, but not just for me, for my chief architect as well, for my chief of technology, for my boss, who's the product manager. It's been a learning curve for all of us. We're literally figuring it out as we go. This is their first time having an in-house designer because majority of the developers are offshore and the design work they've done, again, it's been offshore. And so those time zones are completely different. And so when you have an emergency come up, like I mentioned before, and a large client says, I need this change now, you can't wait on your offshore developers in another country to wake up. You need someone in the house that can get it done and get it done very quickly and very fast to please this client. Um, And so it's just been the entire process has been a learning curve and there hasn't been a set rule, a set amount of rules or patterns. It's just you need to be able to figure things out, be quick on your feet um, and comfortable with that. And like I mentioned before, literally in the job description says must be comfortable working in ambiguity because they already knew we're not going to have all the answers, but work with us as we figure them out together. (laughs) We're going to be figuring a lot out together. We're going to be learning together. We're going to be laying out the groundwork together. And here recently, since I started working with developers, um, I'm finally able to work on a style guide, which is super important in UX because the style guy says, hey, these are the buttons that we use. This is the font style that we use. Um, these are the field labels that we use and things like that. And we haven't been able to do that when I initially started working because we didn't, we were undecided on that direction. But now that we are, I'm able to create these guidelines. They're like, okay, now you can create it. I'm like, great. <laughs> it's been over a year thing. So it's it's just been the entire thing is a learning curve. No, the entire thing is a learning curve. And I love the fact that you were able to transition. And so last but not least, let's talk about what it was when we started working together and your entire process working with the Six Figure Career Club. Um I will say first and foremost, I was ready to make the investment because I wanted to take the, not the thinking, but I'll say the thinking out of it for me. I'm like, I'm already taking this huge leap and this pivot out of nowhere. At minimum, I don't want to stress myself out with the ins and outs of how this is going to look or what it is that I need to do. I need someone to walk me through this. So finding you um, from redoing my LinkedIn resume cleaning up everything that needed to be cleaned up and addressed. I even think we did some light portfolio review as well. Um, you did. Your portfolio looked amazing. We did do your portfolio review and it, that, yeah, I, yeah, it was amazing. And I want to note 
for those doing that Google UX certificate, please, I am begging you, do not use the slides that they supply you with on Google. Please go make your own. That is all. Don't do that. Because I saw in a lot of comments, I think I'm in a group on LinkedIn, and they were like, oh, I've applied with this, with my portfolio using the Google slides. I'm like, and that's, nobody wants to see that. It's hideous. And you have to make it your own. But neither here nor there. I just want to drop that note in there. Um, but from doing the light UX, I'm sorry, the light uh, portfolio review, and then definitely the interview prep. I believe we in, uh, ended with the interview prep session. All of it was more than worth it um, and necessary because making con- making a transition, especially in your career, is fucking scary. There's no other way around that. It is scary and it's terrifying and you're already taking a leap of faith. And you need the proper and adequate support to get you over that hump and someone that's going to be there with you. Like, hey, you got this. We've prepared. Go fly, butterfly. Go do what you need to do. And you also have the hunger to want it as well. So it's a balanced relationship. Of Okay, I need your help, Jill. Please do your thing. Let's make everything what it needs to be. And also you doing the work on your end to make sure that what you are working hard to get, that it actually manifests itself because you've chosen to invest in yourself and in your process in the way that you need to. So I love that. And can we just end it with talking about your six figure skill set? What do you feel like your six figure skill sets include? I'm not even being funny when I say this. This is the first thing that came to mind. I feel like I'm a genius. And I do not mean that in a cocky or arrogant No, we cocky. We <laughs> cocky, you know? And if you don't pump you up, who is going to pump you up? <laughs> it's funny. I've met people who feel this way about themselves too. But it is a, this is a skill set because I, when I say genius, I don't mean like Albert Einstein. I mean, people who are able to literally go in any room or any situation and turn it on. Whatever turn it on looks like for that situation, you're able to do it and you're able to figure stuff out immediately and quickly without any like, hey, I've done my basic research. (laughs) I have enough of what I need. I guess it's an extreme faith in yourself, an extreme belief in yourself, and your mind just being sharp enough to make things happen. And I feel like that's my super skill set because honestly, there are times where I look back on this transition and I'm always in awe and so grateful for this trend. I'm like, girls, barely transitioning to tech. It's like I my girl. Like, I almost I did one of I think I did a video or something for Jill like a month after the fact. And when we looked at the timeline from the time I hired Jill, from the time I got selected for my job it was only a month and a half church come on and so i say that (laughs) because that that's crazy to be new to an industry and to make that kind of jump so it's really having extreme faith in yourself you know everybody's talking about manifesting you have to really believe in yourself when you feel that inkling to make a move you get your team together that's going to help you make that move because you know we need people and we can't do everything on our own but then you also believe in yourself like hey I'm hungry for this. I'm going to do it. A lot of people say they want something, but then they're very lazy when it comes to doing their own footwork and doing what's necessary to make whatever it is they're asking for happen. And I'm a super doer, but that's also I wanted to transition into something that I felt would be more calm because I'm such a super doer. I can burn myself out with that. And I'm like, nope, let's keep it balanced. (laughs) Let's keep it chill. Let's keep it relaxed. And so in doing that, um, and accomplishing it in such a short, a month and a half, that's crazy, honestly. But I feel like that's my super wow. Really? Okay, and you also came ready. I want to say that, right? Yes, I definitely had the tools and we were able to get together and make all of your skills make sense. But the hunger that you came in with, and I think the moment I finished your resume, I believe like the next day, you were like, I've sent out... X applications, or I have reached out to this many recruiters. I mean, I think that we even did like a recruiter script where you were reaching out and I was showing you how to do your outreach to get your LinkedIn buzzing and to make sure that you got, you know, you have that influx coming in. 
Last question, Debbie. Did you find this role via a job board or LinkedIn? Okay. I know a lot of people are going to give me shit for this, but this is really where I found it. Brace yourselves, people. I got a brace Walker. Indeed. <laughs> girl, holding the I am shaking the table. I'm over here shaking the table because, girl, I thought John boys were dead. <laughs> I, I got off Indeed, y'all. And I was applying. I did get interviews off of LinkedIn. Uh, I got interviews off of, I think, built-in, of course. But this one, y'all, it came from Indeed. And I know, I know y'all hate Indeed with a passion, but this is how I love it. And I'm telling the truth. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> it was Indeed. We appreciate the truth over here because, you know, listen, I was I was like, no, surely she's gonna tell us LinkedIn and she messaged somebody. No, y'all, it was Indeed. It was indeed, and it is six figures. Okay. Uh, shout out to the Six Figure Career Club. Look in there. In there. All right, Debbie, I have so enjoyed this conversation today, and I appreciate you for coming on the podcast. Before we go, is there anything else that you would like to say to the job seekers before we head up? Um, if you feel any nudge that it is time for you to make a move to do anything, whatever that thing is for you, Prepare yourself and do it. I know a lot of people in general in life make excuses or they allow fear to handicap and paralyze them. Don't allow that for yourself. If there is something you want to do, you can do it. I'm a single mom of two kids. Okay, I have no different from any of you. Truly, choose to invest in yourself and make the moves accordingly. Make out your plan, set your deadline of when you want to have it done. And truly go do it. And I know some people are like, oh, but I don't have the money. Oh, I'm not able to do this. If you're doing that, you got to check yourself and where that's coming from. You got to really like evaluate yourself internally. Why do I give myself excuses? And I'm not being harsh or mean. I'm being serious because I made a lot of different leaps of faith in my life. And I want you to know and empower you. That's what job says to make the moves that you want to make and know that there is no limit to whatever it is that you want to do. I love it. And with that, say bye to the people, Debbie. Bye. Bye. And with that, dear job seekers, I hope that you gained a lot of invaluable information from Debbie, not only about her transition from life coaching to UX UI design, but also the skills and the grit that it takes to finally make that transition. If you're interested in learning more about the episode, be sure to check out the show notes. And as always, please be sure to leave a review and follow us to catch the latest episodes.